you're getting dressed and your jeans are tighter than you recall. You see a photo of yourself and you don't like what you see. Someone around you loses weight. It's beach season and you're worrying about wearing swimmers in public. There's an event coming up. You go through a breakup. You're comparing yourself, your body, to someone else's online. Any of these experiences can happen and there's one common universal response to them. The voice that says, you need to lose weight. Because then you'll be better. You'll be better when you lose weight. You will feel better. You will look better. You will be better and everything will be better then. More lovable, easier to get a promotion, more desirable, more accepted. I'm Nadia Felsch, nutritionist and intuitive eating counsellor. In this podcast, we explore the practical aspects of leaving the diet mentality behind and finding your own food and body freedom. In this episode, I'll be diving into why weight loss won't fix your body image. And I have the privilege and pleasure of being joined in this exploration by Lindsay Kite, PhD. Lindsay and her identical twin, Lexi Kite, are co-authors of the book, More Than a Body, Your Body is an Instrument, Not an Ornament, which I've referenced here on the pod before. And they're also co-directors of the nonprofit Beauty Redefined. In a nutshell, they are leading experts in body image resilience and media literacy, both of which we'll be covering today. So up front, I want to acknowledge the significant unearned privileges that we both hold in this discussion. We are white educated women with a variety of body privileges. And whilst as Lindsay and I do share, we've both been painfully impacted by negative body image throughout our lives. And yes, this can impact all bodies. Marginalization does not. So for instance, I can, and I have loathed my body and yet still fit into clothes, seats, and not have had anyone comment really negatively on what I've eaten. And this is really important to acknowledge for us and perhaps for you as well, in that not everyone has the same access to this work, to opting out of the body image pressures as we do. But working on our own body image resilience does support everyone. This episode will also be the final one of 2021, and I'll be back the first week of January 2022 amidst the diet culture bullshit with brand new episodes. In this exploration, Lindsay and I cover a lot. Why women who feel good about their bodies often have a harder time with shame when their bodies change. We talk about a more accurate and helpful definition of what positive body image is, probably more than you've heard before. Why directing the body hate that we have outwards is really powerful. What it means to experience your full embodied self and why any form of trying to fix your so-called body flaws, including weight loss, will not fix your body image. Enjoy. Well, I, I want to start by saying that I'm a, so I'm a Kindle reader and I, I highlight, um, the Kindle. So I'm, I'm not sure if people listening are familiar with that. It's the digital version of kind of notes in the margin and your book or your and Lexi's book is absolutely the one with the most highlights. Like it was, it, it's hard to sort through them to be honest. <laughs> 
I love that so much. <laughs> Seriously, that's like every, every page. I'm like, oh, I got it. And you can actually, it's really cool. You can make notes like on your highlights, which is really cool. Um, so thanks for your that. work and for being here. Oh, of course. Thank you. That's so flattering. I love that so much of it resonated with you and you yes. can mark it. Cool. It, it's, it's super cool. And I guess if it's all right, could we start with something in the book that definitely spoke personally to me, but, but professionally something I see over and over and over again, and you just so succinctly describe it is you talk about women who feel, I guess, positively about their body image or bodies that kind of sometimes they have a harder time when there is a, I guess, a a change in their body and with kind of the shame that might go with that. And I wonder if we could talk about why that happens. Why? Like, because I think, I think for a lot of folks, maybe it doesn't make sense. You know, if I feel so great about my body, why is it then harder if something happens? Yeah, that's a really good question because there is a, a small subset of people who do claim to feel great about their bodies in research. And it's interesting when you look at those, because I think most often when people are asked that question, how do you feel about your body and they're self-reporting their body image feelings? um, The ones who say they feel positively are usually talking about how their bodies look. They feel like they're in the weight range that, you know, works best for them and that they look the best at. They're talking about, um, you know, in my research, it was people saying things like, I look pretty good in a bikini. I don't have any excess hangover from my jeans um, and my leggings. I feel like I've got curves in the places where I need them. And then I have a thin waist. Like they're describing physical ideals that they're just so grateful to fit into. Or, you know, times in their life and parts of their body where they've gotten really positive feedback from other people. And so they feel like, yep, my I love my body. My body is, you know, really great because it fits these expectations. And so often for women in those um, bodies that do get a lot of positive feedback and validation from other people that are celebrated, you know, in the ideal body types throughout our culture, then they build their self-worth and their self-esteem and their body image off of those feelings about looking good. And so that can be, you know, that can be a, a happy, positive thing for a lot of people but it can really send you to an even deeper low than someone else who hasn't always gotten their self-worth and validation from their body and feedback on their bodies. Because once you do hit a low, once you go through a body image disruption where you are, you're growing, you're getting rejected, you get cheated on, you um, get an illness, your body changes in ways that you can predict and not predict and in ways you can control and not control. And that's just the nature of living then people who have always really banked on their self-worth coming from how they look and that disappears, they feel so much worse than other people. Mm. That really is a bigger hit. And that happens all the time. You see so many people, like even, I swear, it's models, actresses, people who you would think just must have it so good. They must just love their bodies and feel so comfortable with their bodies. They oftentimes struggle in ways you would never expect Mm. because constantly trying to live up to this ideal that is actually unreachable, regardless of how beautiful you may seem to everybody else. So it can really be a struggle when we are defining ourselves and being defined by how we look, valuing our bodies primarily for how they look. And so if not that way, if not defining our bodies in that way, how 
I, I, I mean, I know I know the answer, but I'm going to pretend I don't know for the purpose of everyone listening. <laughs> what, uh, I guess, is, is your then definition of positive body image? Yeah, it's definitely a bit different than the way a lot of people think about body image. So I'll preface it just by saying that a lot of people think your body image is just how you feel your body looks. They hear the word image and they think this must be visual. It must be about how my body appears. And it's not. Your body image is simply your feelings about your body, your own perception of your body. This is, it is not limited to how you look. And yet our definitions of it usually revolve around that. Mm. Our definition of positive body image is that positive body image isn't believing your body looks good. It's knowing your body is good regardless of how it looks. Mm. So that last little part that I just said is very important regardless of how it looks. We're not going to improve our body image by changing how we look. We're not going to, you know, fix all of our problems by fixing our supposed flaws. In reality, your body image is so much larger. It comes from living inside your body instead of just watching your body from the outside. And that's the first shift we need to make in order to really get a grasp and improve our body image. Yeah, because I mean, I, I shouldn't rush ahead because I absolutely love that definition. And the first time you know, a long time ago that I came across um, both you and Lexi and your amazing work, it just, it, it, I feel like it captured everything I had internally, you know, seen a shift or observed in other people who maybe don't spend so much time kind of thinking about fixing. And I guess if we could kind of discuss body loathing, body hatred, and let's be honest, spending so much damn time, energy, money, trying to change them, right? That in, in my space of work, that is typically through a dieting effort, through trying to lose weight. And I know in the book that there's this kind of discussion, and it's definitely something I've brought up on the podcast in, in several episodes about instead of directing it so internally, what if that loathing and despisement went to these enormous machines, really, like these societal machines that I always think not only enforce these ideals, and I know you mentioned earlier people maybe we don't even think might struggle in ways that we can't imagine, but they're also part of the system. You know, models or, or kind of actresses, this creation and enforcement of beauty ideals that are unrealistic and are unattainable. And they're just out of reach, right? And then we are sold so-called solutions. How is it that we can, I guess, start to shift from that internal position to even knowing maybe this isn't of our own belief necessarily? Yeah. I mean, that was my own personal shift. The first thing that happened that sent me down this road of wanting to know everything about mm -hmm. body image and, and the ways media images had warped my perception of my own body. That happened for me when I was 18 and I was sitting in a college class my freshman year and I was learning about media literacy, this ability to critically engage with media messages of all kinds and understand why they all had such similar messages, who benefits from it, who profits from it. It was really the, it shattered the glass for me on this idea that I had been comparing my body my whole life to images that looked one way. Mm -hmm. I had only seen thin women's bodies and primarily white, primarily young, um, long, thick, flowing hair, clear skin, no cellulite, no stretch marks, all of these things that did not fit how I looked, even though I was 
you know, a middle-class white girl growing up in the U S and, um, and never being bullied for my looks or any other things. I still felt disgusting. I felt abnormal and so ashamed of my body. And I, I learned sitting in that college classroom that I could question those norms and what I had seen in media because it was engineered so specifically to make me feel that way. And Lexi, my twin sister had the exact same experience and that set off, set us off on years of trying to unlearn that stuff and understand Mm -hmm. how these very cohesive media messages about women's bodies came to be, why they're so powerful, why they create this whole narrative for our lives that tells us beauty equals happiness, success, love, desirability, fulfillment, and confidence. And the most important thing here is first to, to recognize that they are so highly engineered and distorted to cause us to feel abnormal, even though the images that we're seeing are actually the abnormal ones. Um, then I think the second part of that is to be able to shatter the glass and break down this myth that beauty and thinness living up to these Mm -hmm. mediated ideals, that that is what leads to all the good things in life that we Mm. want. The desirability, health, happiness, confidence, these things that we want and that we're promised through fixing our flaws. It's not how it works. It is absolutely not how it works. I think we could have a, you know, 24 hour discussion, (laughs) the examples that prove to us that that's not how it works. But we we need to kind of start there at shattering the glass on this idea that we can earn all of the good things we want in life by forcing our bodies to comply with the mm. ideals that are held up in front of us. It doesn't work and it doesn't even fix your body image. Yeah. And, and I like how you speak about that cohesion because it is such a it's, it's such a carefully orchestrated production that is yep. just constantly barraging us essentially you know and and even if you slightly opt out like I'm not a news person I don't spend an enormous amount of my off time on social media but it's still in it's still in my face it's on a bus it's it's in conversation it's someone's talking about something and I think it's so interesting that that concept of uh, and and kind of I guess maybe for for those who this is a brand new idea of oh my goodness what are they even speaking about if we are, if we have never seen anything else, like you talk about, as I had the same experience of just seeing thin, pretty much young white women in all media, in all advertising, in all entertainment, if you don't see anything else, how can you know anything else is okay? Right. Like it makes and sense. Everyone around <laughs> you. Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. We, we should not feel bad for one second when we don't already have the ability to question it, like nobody should feel dumb or silly for holding themselves up to these really extreme ideals because we have been immersed in them our entire lives. Even if we try to self-select out of it or surround Mm -hmm. ourselves with better things, it's still, it's like the wallpaper of our lives. The people around us take it in through their own media choices. Um, and even their unconscious choices, just the things we're surrounded by. And we enforce those ideals against our own bodies and then against each other's bodies. And so it does become this thing that's inescapable, but that means that the way out of it has got to start individually with people shaping their own environments in healthier, happier, more empowering ways, and then spreading that knowledge, putting the peer pressure on the people in their own circles Mm be able to make those changes in their broader communities and organizations that we're a part of. 
And I've already seen that happening in really incredible ways. There's there's always um, reasons to be optimistic about this stuff, even though it can feel extremely overwhelming. Um, I think it's really important, though, to highlight the ways that people's minds do change and can change. And we should all look forward to making those changes in our own lives so that we can continue to see that success and improve how we feel and how everybody else feels too. I couldn't agree more. And, and that kind of leads to this idea of, I, I guess, the, the experience, if you could kind of speak to this, the power of experiencing and valuing most specifically one's whole entire self, you know, the, all of the pieces and parts and qualities and experiences over that, again, maybe for the first time, this is an idea that someone has come across the external viewpoint that we are very used to internalizing really. Yep. Yeah. So we call that self-objectification and that is what so many, especially girls and women do uh, from the time we're extremely young. It starts around five years old in a lot of studies. It's this thing that we do where we evaluate our bodies from the outside. When we're thinking about ourselves, we are thinking of how we appear to a stranger and usually a heterosexual male stranger. That is the gaze that we take on. We learn that through media. We learn that through the camera angles, the ways that women's bodies are talked about, um, the ways characters are described in books. We take on this sexualized perspective on ourselves to basically look in at ourselves as strangers instead of as people who live inside our bodies and grew up inside these, these very bodies that we sit in right now and should know these water bodies better than anyone else. And yet we prioritize this outside view of ourselves more than anything else. So this is self-objectification. We are seeing our bodies as objects instead of as um, instruments for our use, as vehicles that we live within. And so to be able to value more than how we look, it first takes what we just discussed, the shattering mm -hmm. of us to be able to see all of the ways that that perspective has really seeped into our worldview and the way we relate to our bodies. So I think a good first step for people is to answer that question. How do you feel about your body? Mm -hmm. And when you, when you write that down or record a voice note or whatever it is, go through and look at all of, and answer it honestly. Don't try to, you know, flower it up so that it, it fits with what you or I would want you to say. Instead, be totally honest. How do you feel about your body? Go back through and note all the ways that you're describing how you look or how you feel about how other people look at you, your fears of what other people see when they look at you and start to recognize the ways self-objectification has held you back in your life. Um, a lot of people drop out of dance and sports and stop raising their hands in class right around the time their body starts changing during puberty or they, they gain weight for other reasons or their skin changes or, you know, whatever it may be. We get ashamed of our bodies and we sit out of our entire lives. Mm -hmm. So we've got to expand this view of ourselves to value more than just how we appear because our bodies are never going to look perfect. They're never going to look perfectly good sure. enough. And even if they do, they won't stay that way. Mm -hmm. We change because we're humans. And so we've got to be able to view and value ourselves for so much more than just whether we look good or, or feel beautiful enough at, at this moment. And I think one of the ways to do that is to, to reconnect with your whole embodied self, mm -hmm. um, physically, emotionally, spiritually in every way. I think one of the good ways to do that is I'll paint the picture that we kind of do in the introduction of the book. Oh, sure. so yeah. 
We talk about the waters of objectification that we are all surrounded by. And when we're really little kids, we're just playing on the beach. We're, um, you know, playing in the sand, building sand castles. We do not have a care in the world about what <laughs> other people think of our bodies as we are hunched over those sand castles. We aren't concerned about how our faces, our bellies look, the sunscreen slathered on our noses. No one cares. We are just fully immersed in a moment and embodied in our own physical bodies as our homes. But something changes as the people we love are out in the waters of objectification. Um, we read our older sisters' magazines that describe what perfect bodies look like and how to get them. Um, we see even kids' TV shows that value physical ideals for the girl characters so much more than anything else about them. And so we dip our toes in the waters of objectification or we get pulled in by something else like sexual assault or being objectified mm -hmm. by other people. And eventually we are so immersed in this water of objectification that we don't even recognize it's there. It becomes just like a second home. But as we do that, we separate ourselves from those whole embodied selves on the beach and instead watch ourselves from afar, mm -hmm. like watch our body image. Like we describe our, our bodies by our fears of what everyone else sees when they look at us. And so we, we separate from ourselves. And when we mm -hmm. self-objectify, we're just watching ourselves from the outside. We're not really fully. Yeah, what is, what does the belly look like? What does the bum look exactly. like? All of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even when we're alone, we do it. We're thinking, um, okay, uh, my stomach is hanging over my pants right now. I'm going to pull my leggings up or yeah. I should never sit like this once I'm with people because this is really mm -hmm. and in this chair, whatever it may be. Women's brains are always working in this way that feels like it, it's incredibly self-conscious in a way that mm -hmm. holds us back in so many aspects of our lives. And so to be able to get out of this, we need to be able to feel uncomfortable with that. We need to recognize this uncomfortable comfort zone that so many of us are in with the self-objectification, the shame that we feel about ourselves, the holding back, the you know, opting out of our lives and out of our fullest and best lives. Mm -hmm. And we need to be able to build the resilience to get back to those whole selves on the beach that we left behind as kids. And there are so many ways to do that. And I think a good one is to try to reconnect with that little kid that we left behind, your inner child, your younger self. Think, I suggest finding a picture or a video of yourself from when you were really little before that self-consciousness and the self-objectification set in and talk to her, connect with her. Um, think of your own body that you're still in the same body as you were in that picture or video. And you would never think of your body or talk about your body in horrible ways you know, if you had that little girl with you, if you had your arm mm. around how she should feel and think and, and what she really should know about her whole self, her body as her instrument instead of an ornament. Yeah. That I, I imagine if I'm thinking of my own experience, I would want her to feel present and protected and excited and grateful and yeah. kind of able to utilize the body as best as possible right. rather than um, experience that, that, observer perspective, that self-objective. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And when we are an observer to ourselves, when we're self-objectifying, we're not really fully inhabiting our bodies anyway. Mm -hmm. We're really kind of self-consciously opting out and holding back in some ways. And the antidote to that is to be fully embodied and experiencing all of your physical senses so that that attention gets out of this abstract cloud and back into our physical selves. Yeah. So when that self-consciousness kicks in and you feel yourself self-objectifying, I always recommend to people to start 
with just a few deep breaths. And as part of that, you have to relax your stomach, soft <laughs> breathing. So many of us, right? Is this familiar to you? The, the idea that you're just sucking in your stomach all the time totally. and totally. constantly aware of how that looks to people to get out of that. We've got to relax our stomachs and breathe fully deeply into the bottoms of our lungs. And that gets you out of this fight or flight that yeah. so many of us are in when we feel that body shame. And it, it gets you back into the ability to, to not be in this anxiety cloud and instead know that I'm here, I'm safe, I'm fine, I'm more than a body. Focus on what you can see, hear, feel, what you're able to do. And then you can get your mind focused on more of what you want to do and experience and be mm. opposed to just how you want to look. You can choose a, a different path in that sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, this kind of, I know we've, we've, or you specifically have touched on elements already, but I wanted to kind of bring this conversation to a, the, the pointy kind of particular, I guess, um, focus. And, and I'd like to start with a quote from, from you, if that's okay, or from your book, <laughs> which is Great. when feeling beautiful and desirable remains the only solution we can imagine to the large scale problem of body image concerns, of course, we're left feeling worthless and deserving of pain. Wow. So I feel like most people listening can imagine, can, can feel, I know that I can too, that, that shame sinking. I mean, for me, I know I feel shame. I feel like a bit of a flush in my cheeks. I feel a bit warm. And that could be, you know, maybe my pants don't fit like I used to, or, or goodness knows what the kind of disruption was. And I know that in, in the book you speak to some of the responses to the shame as clinging to your comfort zone. I know we can't, you, you mentioned comfort zone a little, a little earlier. And I know, again, with my clients in my scope, this is where weight loss attempts show up. Like this is the place right there. And it's that kind of quick fix, I guess, to distract from those really tough, icky feelings and also it's the socialized response. Like I, I fully kind of acknowledge that that is a, a completely accepted socialized response. In fact, in my work, it's often family members that recommend that. Hey, you hate your body? That's no worries. Just, just go on a diet tomorrow. I'll do it with you, right? Repeatedly, I hear that type of phrasing. And I, I also want to acknowledge that with newer clients, that's often actually kind of where they they begin this work or show up because they realize they're, you know, they've maybe been in that cycle for so many decades, that starting again Monday kind of vibe. And, and actually that's why I continued my own studies in this space because it, it's constantly there. It constantly shows up. So I guess my question or, or my hope is that you could speak to this fix in inverted commas mentality and why specifically then against all social conditioning, <laughs> why that weight loss attempt, even if it worked, won't fix your body image? Good question. A big, deep question. A that big question, so Lindsay. Relatable. <laughs> so relatable uh, to me, to, you know, thousands of women that I've spoken with and, and worked with. And um, I think part of that question is to think over the last, you know, 15 or so years that people started to recognize that body image issues are hurting women and girls mm -hmm. particularly mm -hmm. and holding us back, really having negative impacts on our lives that leads directly to anxiety, depression, loneliness, 
um, self-harm, all these other terrible things. And yet the solution that comes up over and over and over again is to convince girls and women that they are beautiful. That Mm. even though you feel terrible, you are beautiful. You are desirable. You're more attractive than you think you are. And it is the most natural response in the world. Of course, we assume that if we hate our bodies and feel so disgusted with ourselves, that the antidote would be to make sure that we feel great about our bodies and think that we're so beautiful. And there's just this huge miss happening here. There's like Mm. completely lost in translation where the root of the problem isn't that we don't feel beautiful. It is that we are fully defined by beauty, Mm. that it is the most important thing about us. And if we are missing that, that is where that's what we're lacking. We're lacking a belief in our beauty or we're lacking beauty as the solution to our problems. And so if we can achieve that beauty, if we can achieve whatever (laughs) it takes to be able to fit those ideals, that will solve our problems. And the number one problem being hating our bodies or not having the confidence Mm -hmm. to enjoy um, dating or, you know, be fully immersed in your romantic relationship, go up for a leadership opportunity, a career Mm -hmm. change. All these things we want to do hinge on our confidence in who we are. And when who we are is so fully defined by how we look and not looking good enough, mm-hmm. of course, the prop, the solution to this problem is just to look better, to get yeah. in control, to whip these bodies into shape. And the way we know how to do that, and we've been taught our entire lives and everyone in the world believes it is to lose weight. Yeah. It's always the problem is that we're too big. That is too almost big. always the problem that people feel. And, you know, on the other hand, a lot of people feel too small because they don't fit mm-hmm. into the, you know, the curvaceous ideals that are so prominent in our culture, but either way, the root of the problem is the same, not looking good enough. And so you bring up um, this idea of weight loss as being the cure-all solution. The fix. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's the fix. And, and I want people to hear in that, the comfort zone that I brought up where, you know, think of yourself in a flimsy life raft out in the waters of objectification. You don't even realize that you're in a flimsy life raft. It's just where you've always been. And that life raft is your perception of your body. You are surrounded by self-objectification and body shame. There are sharks in the water. You don't even notice them because of this, you know, self-consciousness that is perfectly normal for you, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just the nature of being a woman. We're uncomfortable in our bodies. We've always got, you know, something to change. And then a disruption happens. And the disruption is anything that changes the way you feel about your body or that, that brings that shame up to the surface and forces you to respond. So a wave of disruption would Mm -hmm. knock that comfort zone life raft. And it it really could be anything. It could be a breakup, an injury, an illness, um, a negative comment from somebody or comparing yourself to to people who you think look better and have better lives. And the the response that so many of us take to, to try to deal with the shame that is stirred up by these waves of disruption is to hide our bodies or to fix our bodies. And those usually go hand in hand. So if you are feeling so disgusted with yourself, your first solution is usually to hide. I'm not going to go to that event. I'm not going to class or whatever. While at the same time, you're figuring out how to fix. And the fix is usually I'm going to hide until I can lose enough weight to qualify to go out and do that thing, Um, to do what you want to do and be able to- To date or whatever. Yes, exactly. We all can think of so many personal experiences like- we're not going to get family photos. We're not going to go on a Mm -hmm. vacation. I'm not going to post new pictures online, you know, whatever it may be. 
until we lose weight or change whatever aspect of our appearance doesn't live up to the ideals. That is considered clinging to your comfort zone because you're not actually doing anything to fix your situation. You're just clinging to this idea that the way you look is the key to your happiness. Mm -hmm. This is inherently self-objectifying. You're imagining your body as an object to be viewed and not an instrument that you live within. And so this hiding and fixing, we cling to this comfort zone and it keeps us in this cycle where we feel embarrassed about ourselves, right? In the comfort zone, we get knocked out. We try to, to fix ourselves by, um, you know, weight loss, liposuction, uh, new clothes, uh, new spanks or like slimming clothing. Mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many different solutions we try to do to make ourselves look thinner or be thinner or whatever. Um, to try to cope, but it sends us right back to that same comfort zone. It is a vicious cycle that will last forever. And one of the reasons that it doesn't fix anything is because the problem never was that you were too fat. You know, the problem never really was that you didn't look good enough. Looking different doesn't actually change how you feel about your body. Women who feel crappy about their bodies and then lose weight they don't all of a sudden love their bodies Mm. and they hardly ever feel like they reached their goal. Even if they got to the number goal or the size goal that they wanted, instead they feel like, Oh, well, you know, I thought once I lost 20 pounds, I was going to look much better than I do now. And Mm. instead my skin is saggier and, you know, my clothes look bad on me and, you know, they feel like there's still more to go. It's never this solution that we think it's going to be. And the idea that it is a solution is this really, really profit-driven idea that we can can buy our way through products and services and promises from every angle into confidence and Mm -hmm. happiness and being loved. When in reality, the problem is usually um, something much bigger and much different and also more fixable than making your body in ways that it doesn't want to comply. It wasn't actually that you were too fat. It was that you were, um, you know, maybe you didn't have the courage to go out and, and go up for a leadership opportunity or a, a job change or go on a date or whatever. There are always going to be other obstacles, but we can't blame our bodies when mm-hmm. we don't achieve the things that we want to, or, or when they're harder than we thought. That's kind of more the nature of just like being a human being. Yeah, (laughs) totally. And yet as women, we blame every fault, every problem is on our bodies because we are so defined by them. It's a real problem for us. I I love that you speak. And I, I really have always picked up on your optimism in this you know, sometimes quite dark and heavy and, and sad, heartbreaking space. But the idea that I hope people take is it really isn't about your body and therefore your body isn't the thing that needs any fixing or any, any work at all. Um, And that is maybe liberating and maybe therefore, as you said, more accessible, what, what inner work may need to be done or what kind of perception work needs to be done. I actually think that's a really great reminder or maybe first time that someone has heard that. Yeah. I mean, it has been for me, even just personally, like, you know, I've researched hundreds of people who have had similar breakthroughs or tried to, you know, push them towards similar breakthroughs by helping them see that they're holding themselves back or Mm -hmm. have been held back by other people who are objectifying them. 
and how that doesn't ultimately lead to the happiness or confidence that they're seeking, even if they do change their bodies in ways that they wanted to. Um, but for me, the best way to, to fix that problem is to simply break out of the mindset that my body controls, whether I am confident or whether mm. I can do the things that I've been holding myself back from doing like swimming and, yeah. you know, dating and, and going out and meeting people and going to events. It was never that my body was the problem, even though I was 100% convinced that it was. <laughs> I, I fully thought that I needed to, you know, lose a bunch of weight to fit into a, a cuter swimsuit before I right. qualified to be able to swim or, you know, lose weight before I qualified for anyone's attention dating or whatever. And for me, the solution was to stop focusing on fixing my body and to start doing the things I wanted to anyway, mm-hmm. and figure out if I could do those things and be happy and, and build confidence through them instead of waiting mm-hmm. to get before I do them. And so it worked. That absolutely <laughs> worked. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I really think that breaking through those mental barriers that we have is the only way we're ever going to learn that our bodies aren't actually the problem. We mm-hmm. are defining ourselves so much by our bodies for all a million reasons. Everyone does it for us. This culture guarantees totally. that you're going to yourself as a body first and a person second. But in order to prove that wrong, we have to go out and do things that we want to anyway. do regardless of how we look. Yeah. Do it yeah. anyway. Yeah. And you might learn things about yourself and your body that you couldn't learn any other way by sitting at home and hiding and fixing and dieting for the rest of your life. Totally. Thank you so much, Lindsay. This has been amazing. Amazing. As always, I, I can't thank you enough for your time and wisdom. Oh, thank you. So great to talk to you, Nadia. I've seen all of this with clients over and over and over And I've experienced it in my own life. The harder that I worked to fit into beauty ideals, the more that I believed my appearance was my worth, my value, and the more unhappy that I was. The line got further and further away, ever out of reach every time. And that's even before mentioning the unhappiness that I experienced from the unhealthy disordered eating behaviors that I had. Weight loss and my appearance literally was my full-time job. It's all I thought about. I wasn't present in my life whilst I was so focused on my appearance and believing again that that was my worth. That was what I was meant to do. That would make me happier and better. And letting all of that go changed my life. I see that for my clients as well. Your body was never the problem. And whilst this work does take time and ongoing, consistent practice, by the way, so does trying to fix your body, thinking that's a problem. This is amongst the most transformative work as a woman that you can ever do. You deserve a full and expansive life. You deserve that in the body that you have, not the one you imagine. It's the one that you've always lived in and the one that will continue to change and to age. The one also that you are so much more than. Do you wish you could stop feeling so triggered by your own reflection? Do you wish you could stop so frequently comparing your body to others? Do you wish you could stop thinking so much about how your body is perceived by others? And are you fed up and craving your long-awaited body acceptance breakthrough? 
My top tools to do just this, the exact ones that I teach my one-on-one clients, are what I teach inside my Body Acceptance Breakthrough Masterclass, expanding on the tools that I mentioned, digging into their implementation so you can accept your here and now body. This class is your highest value option to learn my best body acceptance tools and strategies for under $30. And you can grab this on-demand self-paced masterclass via the link in your podcast player or via my website, which is nadiafelsch.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for joining me. See you next time.